uh, is a topic that I think uh, all of us understand as Christians, uh, and really most people in the world would probably say, yeah, it's good to be content, but especially us as Christians uh, realize that that's, that's a biblical principle that, that we're shown in Scripture's repeatedly something that that we must be or that we have to to strive towards uh becoming better and better at and so uh, it's something good for us to to consider and think about and be reminded of of all people to send me uh something about being zen andrew when he knew i was going to be teaching sent me an article about contentment and about being zen uh and so this first quote uh, came from that. Uh, I thought it was very good. The whole article was was uh, very good and and timely, pertaining to this topic. But uh, in this article, there was this quote from this fellow that said, "There's no greater sin than desire, no greater curse than discontent, no greater misfortune than wanting something for oneself." Therefore, he who knows that enough, he who knows that enough is enough, will always have enough. And so there again, you know, from a, even from a perspective of someone, uh, maybe from a worldly perspective, we realize that contentment is something that uh, is good for us, and we're going to talk about that. You know, I felt like uh, that quote, you know, was, was basically, uh, James says uh, just about the same thing about our desire uh, there in James chapter 1 and verse 14 says, But each person's tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Therefore, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. And so we've talked about that in here and considered that, and, and again, always good to be reminded about our temptations that... Uh, can lead to sin comes from what? It comes from our desires, uh, from the things that we want. And so in thinking about how that ties into contentment, if we can get all of that in check, if we can be content with the things that God has given us, uh, be be satisfied with the blessings He gives us, uh, it will help with us uh, having the right desires and, and help us to not have the wrong desires. So if you consider contentment, again, this is, this is uh, somewhat basic here, but if you think about, okay, Matt, you're saying we need to be content. The Bible says we need to be content. God wants us to be content. What is contentment? Uh, in Vines, if you look it up, uh, the verb part of it means to be sufficient, to be strong enough for a thing, to be satisfied. Uh, like in Luke chapter 3, when the soldiers asked Jesus, you know, what do they need to do? Uh, or ac- actually asked John there. Uh, says, the soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. And so there's this idea of being content with the things that you have there. And I want us to think about the fact that contentment or being content can be a verb. It's not just a state of being. It's a verb. It's an, it requires action and choice, and that's a big part of it. Uh, if we're going to be content, where does that start? It, it's in our mind. We decide, okay, I'm going to be content with what I have. And so that, that it being a verb uh, speaks strongly towards that. 
It also can be a description, like an adjective, of some more definitions under that realm as sufficient in oneself or adequate, needing no assistance, okay? So think about what Paul says about himself in Philippians chapter 4. It says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And so he could be described as being content, but also, again, Think about that. What did Paul say about contentment? Was it something he had from the beginning or was it something he learned? He says he learned it. Uh, So it's something that we have to train ourselves or teach ourselves to be. That's something, you know, Paul had to do that very thing. Um, Contentment as a noun form or just kind of a state of being there. It says satisfied with what one has. Uh, And that's how we oftentimes think of contentment. Uh, That fits the definition I have in my head when I, you know, we know that first pops in my head when I say contentment. Uh, Like in 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And so that idea of just... Uh, being satisfied with what we have. Uh, and, and we're going to look at a bunch of verses that show us, you know, that's the attitude and thought that God wants us to, to have as His children. Okay. Before we go way into looking at all of these different things about contentment, there was one other thing I wanted to talk about, um, and that is what contentment is not. And so... We need to think about what contentment is not so that we know, okay, that, that is what I need to stay away from. And, and it's basically the opposite of covetousness. Uh, and, you know, the Bible speaks against that, describe, describes covetousness as a sin, describes covetousness as idolatry in Colossians chapter 3. Uh, it says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in, your, in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And, and the definition we all understand of covetousness is, is to want something someone else has or to seek after things, to try to gain uh, things, to fix one's desire upon, to lust after, to stretch after, I like that, uh, and to desire earnestly. And so it, it's putting a focused effort to get more possessions or more things or, or more of what someone has is what covetousness is. Uh, and, and that's not what we're supposed to have. That's put in opposition to contentment, right? Okay, so um, when you think about contentment, and, you, and we're talking about here for a couple of slides of what contentment is not, it's not covetousness. Uh, and there are things that are wrong for us to be content with. You know, we shouldn't be content with sin in our own lives. Romans chapter 6, verses 11 and 12 tell us we're to be dead to sin and alive to God. You know, we can't be content with sin in our own lives. Um, we can see from uh, the situation there in Corinth in 1 Corinthians, they had this immoral man who was amongst them who was living in adultery, uh, and, and Paul there writes to them that they should, you know, basically should not have been content with that. They were being content with that, and they should not have been. Um, kind of an extreme form of contentment uh, was the situation there in, in Thessalonica that Paul writes to the Thessalonians about, that there were some 
who seemed to be so content with the fact that they thought Jesus was coming uh, in the very near future that they didn't even need to work or provide for themselves. And that's not the kind of contentment God describes to us. Um, You know, we're going to look at passages that say, uh, don't worry about your food or drink, uh, but there's also other passages that tell us, you know, to be hard workers and diligent uh, and to provide for our own. And so all of that weighs into that. And, and again, this idea of contentment is not just sitting back and saying, well, God's going to give me everything. I don't have to, to work uh, or, or be busy about uh, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, that was uh, a little bit of the, the attitude in the, the rich man who built bigger barns. Uh, he had taken contentment a little bit too far, right? Uh, he was He was to the point he had so much, he said... Uh, I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. So in in Luke chapter 12, he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax and eat and drink and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you've prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Okay, so again, we can see this idea of contentment uh, taken to the wrong place, right? That, that's not what God describes us as, uh, as contentment being for us. That's not what we're supposed to be working for. And that, you know, in, in America, we all tend to think in that direction, unfortunately. If I can just get enough to retire, if I can just get enough in the bank that I don't have to work anymore, those type things... I mean, that's exactly what this guy had going on, and, and we can see God's view on that. That's not our goal. That's not to be our goal. We're supposed to be storing up treasures towards God and, and not focused on storing up enough in this life uh, to not have to be doing anything anymore. Uh, the final thing that we're not supposed to have or that contentment is not is, is about our spiritual growth. You know, Stephen prayed in his prayer about that, that we would continue to grow. Uh, In the book of Hebrews, the writer there in in chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, gets on to him and says, By this time you ought to have been teachers. They had not been progressing as they should. And so they had become content with where they were. And and the writer there is telling them, you know, don't do that. That's, That's not what you're supposed to do. And so those are all the wrong kinds of contentment, things that we don't need to be, uh, uh, the type of contentment that God's not uh, describing to us. <clears throat> and so I guess from the rest of the, the lesson going forward, we're going to be looking more at what contentment is and, and kind of some specific things the Bible shows us about that. Uh, and then in the follow-up class, try to make some, some applications for us in our life about how we can be more contempt. Content, not contempt. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so most of the time, when we think about contentment, what do we think about? Our stuff, right? Uh, I need to be content with the things I have. And that's how the Bible portrays it a lot of, a, a lot of times, is, is contentment with the things that we have. Uh, and Jesus teaches this uh, there in the Sermon on the Mount. It says, Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, 
what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So we've got this section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount there, and is the word contentment anywhere in that? The word contentment's not there. He doesn't say, thou shalt be content. But the way he describes that, we can see contentment in it, right? We can see that that's what Jesus is getting at. Be content with the things that you have. Don't strive after and worry about getting these physical things because God will supply them for you. Uh, Luke chapter 3 and verse 14. Uh, We read that passage a while ago. Um, We won't read that again. And then 1 Timothy chapter 6. We read part of this, uh, but want to read the rest of it. And just thinking about, these are just passages that uh, show us a biblical concept of contentment. Uh, and, and thinking about that as being satisfied with the things that we have, with, with the stuff that we have. Uh, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, which with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Okay, so again, godliness with contentment is great gain. And and Paul... um, you know, describes that more to us there, that we should just be satisfied if we've got food and clothing. He says, with that, we should be content. And think about this is the guy who says in Philippians, you know, that he had learned to be content, right? It was from from the experiences he had gone through, from his faith in God, he had realized that, hey, all of these things that, that we're tempted to strive after in this life really... Uh, aren't that important in the grand scheme of things. Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verses 5 and 6, basically say about the same thing. It says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And so really that passage, you know, kind of ties together what Jesus was saying in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, 
with what Paul says about learning to be content. And, and basically it comes back to our faith in God, that God is going to be the one to provide for us the things that we need. Um, you know, we don't need to have this love uh, for for worldly or earthly possessions that, that drive us to focus on those instead of focusing on uh, the spiritual things and seeking the kingdom of God first, like he says. Okay. So, passages here, uh, contentment through examples. Uh, this is Jesus in Matthew chapter 18. You know, he was an example of contentment. Him and the apostles both uh, show us what this contentment that God wants us to have is supposed to look like. It says, A scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And so I just bring that passage forth for us to realize, you know, Jesus didn't have many earthly possessions at all. Uh, never seemed to be focused on that. He wasn't focused on that. He was focused on spiritual things, and he is the example that we're supposed to follow there. In Mark chapter 6, in what we oftentimes call the limited commission, where Jesus sent out his 12 disciples on, on a, a teaching mission, kind of a training session, if you will, uh, is the way I often think about it. It says, And he called the twelve, and he began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. Okay, so in that passage, the instructions he, he gave them, you know, the idea of contentment jumps out at me. You know, he's telling them, don't don't worry about if you've got all of this extra stuff. Just take what you need uh, and go from there. And even the even verse 10 where he talks about whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart. You know, be content with where you're staying at. Um, <clears throat> I think, again, that was a lesson Jesus was trying to teach them for the work that they were to do after he was gone. Uh, again, don't focus on these worldly uh, possessions or things, but rather, you know, the focus is to be on spiritual things. All right, we've mentioned this a couple of times, uh, but wanted to kind of look at this side of the coin. If one side of the coin of contentment is about our stuff, uh, the other side is going to be about circumstances, uh, whatever our situation in life is at that moment right that's part of where contentment plays uh into who we're supposed to be Uh, and we see this too you know throughout the scriptures paul uh, i've already mentioned this a couple times um that this is a, a decision or a learned behavior it doesn't come naturally uh it's not really something that the world promotes. Either side of the coin is not something that the world promotes. You know, the world's constantly telling us what? Get more, get more, get more. If you're not happy with your situation, throw a big fuss. Do what you got to do to make it change. Uh, but that's not what we see in the Scriptures. Paul says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, of abundance and need. 
I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And so, again, this is the Apostle Paul who, you know, we could read all of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 where he gives this synopsis of all of the things he suffered, all of the situations that he has found himself in. Uh, You know, very difficult situations of need, shipwreck, beatings, treated harshly, you know, basically all negative stuff from a worldly standpoint. Uh, But what is he saying? He's learned to be content. You know, no matter what's going on around him, he's learned to be content. And how can he do that? It's through Christ and and through realizing uh, the peace that we have and the confidence that we have and the promises that are made to us from God. Again, the same thing. This is this is um, Paul again in Acts chapter sixteen says, and when they had afflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, and ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that all the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And so, again, here I want us to see contentment in situations, right? Even in dire circumstances, they were able to be content. They were praying and singing uh, as they're sitting here in prison after they've been beaten. Um, And... You know, I think we can understand the positive effect that that was having uh, there and seemed to have on the jailer after the earthquake also. You know, he came running to them wanting to know what he needed to do. Okay, so why is contentment so important? You know, besides the fact that that's what God tells us to be, that's, that's he tells us that's part of who his children are supposed to be or, or as a character trait they're supposed to develop and have, Uh, So obviously it's important because he said so. It's important uh, because that's the example that Jesus left for us. That's the example his apostles left for us and show us. Uh, They were happy to suffer for Jesus' name. Uh, You Think about early on in Acts chapter 5. It says, And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them, and they charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And so, you know, I think in that snapshot there, we can see they were content with being beat. That was okay with them because they realized Jesus had suffered for them. And if they could suffer for his name, that was perfectly okay with them. And so it it was, again, something mental for them, right? It was a decision they made, you know, no matter what hardships they had to endure, it was okay. They could be content with that um, because that's who their Savior was. That's how their Savior was and had been for us. All right, so we've got the fact that it's commanded to us. Uh, We've got examples about contentment in Jesus and the apostles. And, you know, it's also important because, you know, just like everything else, God commands us, to do or shows us to do is something that's very good for us. Um, This was even true uh, 
about his commandments. It always has been true. Even back in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. Okay, so that's that's to the Israelites there. Uh, but in Romans chapter 8, the same principle is repeated. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And so the commandments God gives us, the, the things he tells us to be, the people he describes to us and requires us to become and, and be those character traits, is for our good. Um, that article I referred to from from Andrew talked about that. You know, it was basically saying that, hey, if you can develop this mindset of being content with what you have, uh, your life will be better in general. It, it, things will go better for you, and, and I think we all can understand that that's true. Uh, Solomon in Ecclesiastes, you know, you could read the whole book of Ecclesiastes, and that's going to be your, one of the takeaway points, is to be satisfied and to be content with the things uh, that God gives you. Uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, he says, the end, of the, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So again, the things God tells us to do uh, are for our good. <clears throat> in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 5, it says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so I put this verse in here thinking about the benefits of contentment. Right? What in that verse is a benefit? It's this peace of God. And and that contentment that we can have can only come through our faith in Him, can only come through our reliance in Him and in the promises that He has made us. If we don't have that to lean upon, uh, then we we can unravel when things start to go bad. We can unravel when, when our circumstances go bad or when we think we don't have as the things that we need. <clears throat> you know, when we choose to learn... Uh, and I should have underlined choosing there, you know, because it's a decision. It's an action on our part. When we choose to learn and to have the proper attitude of contentment, it gives us the peace and confidence that we need uh, to be faithful to God in this life. I, you know, that's the only way in my mind that the apostles were able to endure the things that they endured was was they had chose to have this proper attitude and, and this contentment, uh, and, and it was based in their faith on, in God. You know, again, we, and, and you know, a lot of your self-help stuff will repeat this same stuff, uh, same thing that, you know, if you're a content person, you're going to have a happier, more fulfilling life. You know, again, that's a commandment that's for our good. Uh, we won't become despondent about circumstances, uh, and we'll be able to withstand the struggles of this life that come if we have the, if we've adopted this mindset of being content in whatever state we're in. <clears throat> you know, another reason besides the fact that we've been commanded, besides the fact we see examples, besides the fact that it's something good for us in general to be content, it helps us, it gives us peace. It's also part of how we can be salt 
to the earth. You know, we're told uh, that we are to be the salt of the earth. You know, is having a strong commitment to being content in whatever state you're in, if you've made up your mind, I'm just going to be content no matter what's going on. I'm going to, I'm going to be okay with that. I'm going to have that peace that God describes. Is that the norm in the world? Do you see that amongst most people in the world? You don't. You know, you tend to see an unraveling when things start to go uh, awry in someone's life. Uh, you know, does it stand out to you when you see someone not shaking because of difficult circumstances? Many times it does. Uh, and it stands out to those in the world. It, it stands out when someone's going through something very difficult and, and they seem to be able to take it in stride and, and not fall apart over it. Uh, it jumps out at you. It's like, man, they they got something going on if they're able to endure that. Uh, and, and that's who and what us as Christians are portrayed as being. That's what we're supposed to strive for and grow towards and, and be strong enough to be those kind of people and, and, and be that salt of the earth and um, be that example and strength for people to look upon. Uh, we're going to talk about in the follow-up that, that you know that's easier said than done oftentimes and that part of our network of of brethren the support we get from one another uh is how we can 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 overcome those difficult times but you know the standard is there the bar is set that that's the kind of people uh god has put forth as us becoming or being that's where we're supposed to be striving to get to and so uh, we'll stop the lesson there uh and pick up here in a few minutes but when you think about contentment I had a couple of slides that talked about what contentment wasn't, was not, or the wrong kind of contentment. And, you know, again, one of the things I mentioned there was being content with sin in our own lives or or, uh, being content uh, to not be pleasing to God. And and that's something we can't be. And, you know, oftentimes in this life we can can lose sight of what's right or we can, can slip back from where we should be and... And realize that, and I and I urge you, you know, now if there's if there's anyone here who who feels like they may have become content with things that they should not have, you know, we want to be here to help you, uh, strengthen you, and help overcome those things. And God uh, and us are certainly um, forgiving and and willing to forgive. And urge you to make those things known if there's any way that we can help as we stand and sing.